Today and welcome back to Partake. In the previous study of this Easter 2010 weekend series, we looked together at two events of Jesus' last night, the Lord's Supper and the Lord's Service. Tonight we are going to look together briefly at John 19. In a more reflective manner, we will talk a little bit about what happened to Jesus Christ in his being condemned, crucified, dead and being buried. So firstly, let's look at Jesus' condemnation. And I read from John chapter 19, verses 1 to 16. Then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged. The soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head. They clothed him in a purple robe and went up to him again and again, saying, Hail, King of the Jews! And they struck him in the face. Once more Pilate came out and said to the Jews, Look, I'm bringing him out to you to let you know that I find no basis for a charge against him. When Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, Pilate said to them, Here is the man. As soon as the chief priests and their officials saw him, they shouted, Crucify, crucify! But Pilate answered, You take him and crucify him. As for me, I find no basis for a charge against him. The Jews insisted, we have a law, and according to that law he must die, because he claimed to be the Son of God. When Pilate heard this, he was even more afraid, and he went back inside the palace. Where do you come from, he asked Jesus. But Jesus gave him no answer. Do you refuse to speak to me, Pilate said? Don't you realize I have power either to free you or to crucify you? Jesus answered, You would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. Therefore the one who handed me over to you is guilty of a greater sin. From then on Pilate tried to set Jesus free, but the Jews kept shouting, If you let this man go, you are no friend of Caesar. Anyone who claims to be a king opposes Caesar. When Pilate heard this, he brought Jesus out and sat down on the judge's seat at a place known as the Stone Pavement which in Aramaic is Gabbatha. It was the day of preparation of Passover week, about the sixth hour. Here is your king, Pilate said to the Jews. But they shouted, Take him away, take him away, crucify him. Shall I crucify your king, Pilate asked. We have no king but Caesar. The chief priests answered. Finally Pilate handed him over to them to be crucified. Pilate was the Roman governor of Judea. As we have read, it was he that made the decision and gave the order for Jesus to be crucified. Pilate gave in and permitted the flogging and the mockery in the hope of shaming Jesus' accusers. John 19 verses 1 to 3 Pilate affirmed Jesus' innocence after the scourging. Jesus' refusal to answer stung Pilate into reminding Jesus of his Roman authority. And Jesus, however, corrected Pilate's idea of authority and told him that although Pilate may have power on earth, his power did reach, did not reach beyond earth. Jesus knew that his work of bringing people back to God into a living relationship did not rest on the actions of a mere Roman governor. Pilate was more concerned with his own position than he was for justice. In all this, we see Jesus as the true Passover lamb. And then Jesus was crucified. Jesus was condemned to die. 
And now let's look briefly at John 19, verse 17 to 27, and Jesus' crucifixion. Carrying his own cross, he went out to the place of the skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. Here they crucified him, and with him two others, one on each side, and Jesus in the middle. Pilate had a notice prepared and fastened to the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Many of the, look, many of the Jews read the sign, for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and the sign was written in Aramaic, Latin, and Greek. The chief priests of the Jews protested to Pilate, Do not write the King of the Jews, but that this man claimed to be King of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. When the soldiers crucified Jesus, they took his clothes, dividing them into four shares, one for each of them, with the undergarment remaining. This garment was seamless, woven in one piece, from top to bottom. Let's not tear it, they said to one another. Let's decide by lot who will get it. This happened that the scriptures might be fulfilled, which said, They divided my garments among them, and cast lots for my clothing. So this is what the soldiers did. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Dear woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, Here is your mother. From that time on, this disciple took her into his home. Jesus, bearing his own cross, was killed as a common common criminal. We read that Pilate was responsible for fixing the sign the king of the Jews. The clothes of condemned prisoners were often given to soldiers on duty. And even when he himself was in agony, Jesus showed concern for his mother Mary, committing her to the Apostle John. The crucifixion site was purposely chosen to be outside the city walls because the law forbade such actions within the city walls for sanitary reasons. The crucified body was sometimes left to rot on the cross and served as a disgrace, a convincing warning and deterrent to passers-by. Sometimes the subject was eaten while alive and still on the cross by wild beasts. Jesus' face was beaten beyond recognition and the scourging that he underwent reduced his flesh to something like raw hamburger mince. The whips used had pieces of glass and rock stuck to the cord so as to inflict so much damage as possible. He had a crown of thorns pushed, pushed heavily into his scalp. Having been condemned and crucified, Jesus finally dies. Let's look together at John chapter 19, verses 28 to 37. Later, knowing that all was now completed and so that scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant, and lifted it to Jesus' lips. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, It is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Now it was a day of preparation, and the next day was to be a special Sabbath. Because the Jews didn't want the bodies left on the cross as during the Sabbath, they asked Pilate to have uh, the legs broken and the bodies taken down. The soldiers therefore came and broke the legs of the first man who had been crucified with Jesus, and then those of the other. But when they came to Jesus and found that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. Instead, one of the soldiers pierced Jesus' side with a spear, 
bringing a sudden flow of blood and water. The man whose sword has given testimony, and his testimony is true. He knows that he tells the truth, and he testifies so that you also may believe. These things happen so that the scripture would be fulfilled, not one of his bones will be broken. And as another scripture said, they will look on the one they have pierced. In Jesus' final moments he uttered, I am thirsty, and it is finished. The desire of the Jews to fulfill their rituals was important, because the Sabbath fell within the Passover festival. The breaking of legs uh, sped up the process of death. The piercing of Jesus' side in the flow of blood and water proved Jesus was really dead. So Jesus was condemned, crucified and dead. So what? What does that mean for us and for humanity? All human beings in their natural state are born sinners and have rebelled against God, Romans 3 verse 23. However, because of Jesus' death on the cross, God offers forgiveness, Ephesians 1 verse 7. He offers peace, Romans 5 verse 1, and reconciliation with God, so that we can no longer be his enemies, 2 Corinthians 5 verse 19. Through the cross, and only through the cross, we are made just before God, Romans 3 verses 24 to 26, because it cleanses us from sin, 1 John 1 verse 7, and makes us right or righteous before Almighty God, 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21. And because of the cross, we can now have direct access to God, Ephesians 2 verse 18, and Jesus Christ intercedes for us, Hebrews 2 verse 17 to 18. And because of Jesus Christ's death on the Roman cross, all those who follow him have freedom from the power of slavery to sin, Galatians 5 verse 1, and we have a freedom from the power of the devil, Hebrews 2 verse 14. None of these things would be true, and are true, if we do not follow Jesus Christ. And at the cross, Jesus' mission is accomplished. At the cross, this God-man, Jesus Christ, paid the penalty for all sin of all time, past and future, so that people can have the opportunity to be restored into relationship with God. Some people say that Jesus didn't die on the cross, but rather somebody was made to be the substitute. But I tell you, this is a lie and a lie of the devil. Nobody could have been a substitute, or the Jewish leaders would have said so when the rumours of Jesus' resurrection began to circulate. And the Romans, well the Romans kept strict discipline and regimen, and nobody would have been able to get in amongst the Roman soldiers and somehow substitute themselves for Jesus. That's ludicrous. Yes, somebody else carried the cross for him, but nobody, and I mean nobody, but Jesus was nailed to that cross. And Jesus died on that cross, and there was no substitute. And then Jesus was buried and we read in John chapter 19, verse 38 to 42. Later Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. Now Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly because he feared the Jews. With Pilate's permission he came and took the body away. He was accompanied by Nicodemus, the man who earlier had visited Jesus at night. Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, aloes, about 75 pounds. 
Taking Jesus' body, the two of them wrapped it with the spices in strips of linen. This was in accordance with Jewish burial customs. At the place where Jesus was crucified there was a garden, and in the garden a new tomb in which no one had ever been laid. Because it was the Jewish day of preparation, and since the tomb was nearby, they laid Jesus there. Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus buried Jesus Christ. The significance of in which no one had ever been laid is to demonstrate that the body of Jesus Christ at no point, never, came into contact with the decay of a dead body. But as we know and as we will find out, his burial is not the end of the story. In the next of our series, Easter Saturday, we will look back together at just why Jesus had to die and the underlying problem. Then we will look at how his death is the solution and we will also look briefly at the themes, uh, theological themes of substitution, propitiation, redemption and how his death is the complete victory over sin, death and the devil. And then on Sunday we will look together at the resurrection. And before I close, please do pray that I can get these sound files recorded because on the this is my third attempt at recording this very one. And for some reason, they're not recording. But hopefully, this one has. Thank you.